0: Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Down to Sleep, the podcast of softly spoken stories to get you a good night's rest. Tonight we return to Jekyll and Hyde for the second time. This was voted for by the Patreons. Uh, If you join our sleepy little book club on Patreon for a few dollars, you not only get to vote on what books are read next, but you also get a bonus episode every single week where we continue the books that we love, as well as every episode that you hear here being twice as long it's a pretty good deal so come and join the sleepy book club at patreon.com slash down to sleep but otherwise thank you for being here thank you for listening i will do my best to get you nice and relaxed and off to sleep tonight let's go ahead and take a nice deep breath tuck you in and let's get down to sleep And this chapter is called, Dr. Jekyll Was Quite at Ease. A fortnight later, by excellent good fortune, the doctor gave one of his pleasant dinners to some five or six old cronies, all intelligent, reputable men, and all judges of good wine. Mr. Utterson so contrived that he remained behind after the others had departed. This was no new arrangement, but a thing that had befallen many scores of times, Where Utterson was liked, he was liked well. Hosts loved to detain the dry lawyer, when the light-hearted and loose-tongued had already their foot on the threshold. They liked to sit a while in his unobtrusive company, practising for solitude, sobering their minds in the man's rich silence after the expense and strain of gaiety. To this rule, Dr. Jekyll was no exception." and as he now sat on the opposite side of the fire. A large, well-made, smooth-faced man of fifty, with something of a slyish cast, perhaps, but every mark of capacity and kindness. You could see by his looks that he cherished for Mr. Utterson a sincere and warm affection. "'I have been wanting to speak to you, Jekyll,' began the latter. "'You know that will of yours?' A close observer might have gathered that the topic was distasteful, but the doctor carried it off gaily. "'My poor Utterson,' said he. "'You are unfortunate in such a client. I never saw a man so distressed as you were by my will, unless it were that hide-bound pedant lanyon at what he called my scientific heresies. Oh, I know, he's a good fellow. You needn't frown. An excellent fellow?' and I always mean to see more of him but a Hyde-bound pedant for all that, an ignorant, blatant pedant, and I was never more disappointed in any man than Lanyon. You know I never approved of it, pursued Utterson, ruthlessly disregarding the fresh topic. My will? Yes, certainly I know that, said the doctor, a trifle sharply. You have told me so. Well, I tell you so again, continued the lawyer. I have been learning something of young Hyde, The large handsome face of Dr. Jekyll grew pale to the very lips, and there came a blackness about his eyes. I do not care to hear more, said he. This is a matter I thought we had agreed to drop. What I heard was abominable, said Utterson. It can make no change. You do not understand my position, returned the doctor, with a certain incoherency of manner. I am painfully situated, Utterson. "'My position is a very strange, a very strange one. "'It is one of those affairs that cannot be mended by talking.' "'Jekyll,' said Utterson, "'you know me. "'I am a man to be trusted. "'Make a clean breast of this in confidence. "'And I make no doubt I can get you out of it.' "'My good Utterson,' said the doctor, "'this is very good of you. "'This is downright good of you, "'and I cannot find words to thank you in. "'I believe you fully.' I would trust you before any man alive. I, before myself, if I could make the choice, but... Indeed, it isn't what you fancy. It is not as bad as that, and just to put your good heart at rest, I will tell you one thing. The moment I choose, I can be rid of Mr. Hyde. I give you my hand upon that. And I thank you again and again, and I will just add one little word, Utterson. And I'm sure you'll take in good part that this is a private matter, and I beg of you, let it sleep. Utterson reflected a little, looking in the fire. I have no doubt that you are perfectly right, he said at last, getting to his feet. Well, since we have touched upon this business, and for the last time, I hope, continued the doctor, there is one point I should like you to understand. "'I have really a very great interest in poor Hyde. "'I know you have seen him,' he told me, sir. "'I fear he was rude. "'But I do sincerely take a great, very great interest in that young man. "'If I am taken away, Utterson, "'I wish you to promise me that you will bear with him, "'get his rights for him. "'I think you would, if you knew all, "'and it would be a weight off of my mind if you would promise.' "'I can't pretend I shall ever like him,' said the lawyer.' "'I don't ask that,' pleaded Jekyll, laying his hand upon the other's arm. "'I only ask for justice. "'I only ask you to help him for my sake when I am no longer here.' Utterson heaved an irrepressible sigh. "'Well,' said he, "'I promise.' Nearly a year later, in the month of October 18, London was startled by a crime of singular ferocity rendered all the more notable by the high position of the victim. The details were few and startling. A maid servant living alone in a house not far from the river had gone upstairs to bed about eleven. Although a fog rolled over the city in the small hours, the early part of the night was cloudless, and the lane which was the maid's window overlooked was brilliantly lit by the full moon. It seemed she was romantically given for she sat down upon her box, which stood immediately under the window and fell into a dream of musing. Never, she used to say with streaming tears when she narrated the experience, never had she felt more at peace with all men or thought more kindly of the world. And as she so sat, she became aware of an aged beautiful gentleman with white hair, drawing near along the lane and advancing to meet him another very small gentleman to whom at first she paid less attention when they had come within reach which was just under the maid's eyes the older man bowed and accosted the other with a very pretty manner of politeness it did not seem as if the subject of his address were of great importance indeed from his pointing it sometimes appeared as if he were only inquiring his way But the moon shone on his face as he spoke And the girl was pleased to watch it It seemed to breathe such an innocent and old-world kindness Of disposition Yet with something high too As of a well-founded self-content Presently her eye wandered to the other And she was surprised to recognize in him a certain Mr. Hyde "'who had once visited her master "'and for whom she had conceived a dislike. "'He had in his hand a heavy cane "'with which he was trifling, "'but he answered never a word "'and seemed to listen with an ill-contained impatience. "'And then, all of a sudden, "'he broke out in a great flame of anger, "'stamping his foot, brandishing the cane, "'and carrying on, as the maid described it, "'like a madman.' The old gentleman took a step back with the air of one very much surprised and a trifle hurt and at that Mr. Hyde broke out of all bounds and clubbed him to the earth and next moment with ape-like fury he was trampling his victim underfoot hailing down a storm of blows under which the bones were audibly shattered the body jumped upon the roadway At the horror of these sights and sounds, the maid fainted. It was two o'clock when she came to herself and called for the police. The murderer was gone long ago, but there lay his victim, in the middle of the lane, incredibly mangled. The stick with which the deed had been done, although it was of some rare and very tough and heavy wood, had broken in the middle, under the stress of this... Cruelty. One splintered half had rolled into the neighbouring gutter, the other, without doubt, had been carried away by the murderer. A purse and a gold watch were found upon the victim, but no cards or papers, except a sealed and stamped envelope, which he had been probably carrying to the post, and bore the name and address of Mr. Utterson. This was brought to the lawyer the next morning, before he was out of bed, and he had no sooner seen it and been told the circumstances that he shot out a solemn lip. I shall say nothing until I have seen the body, said he. This may be very serious. Have the kindness to wait while I dress. And with the same grave countenance he hurried through his breakfast and drove to the police station. As soon as he came into the cell he nodded. "'Yes,' said he. "'I recognise him. "'I'm sorry to say that that is Sir Danvers Carew.' "'Good God, sir,' exclaimed the officer. "'Is it possible?' "'The next moment his eye lighted up with professional ambition. "'This will make a deal of noise,' he said. "'Perhaps you can help us, to the man.' "'He briefly narrated what the maid had seen and showed the broken stick. "'Mr. Utterson had already quailed at the name of Hyde.' But when the stick was laid before him, he could doubt no longer. Broken and battered as it was, he recognised it for the one that he himself presented many years before, to Henry Jekyll. Is this Mr. Hyde a person of small stature, he inquired. Particularly small, and particularly wicked-looking, is uh, what the maid calls him, said the officer. Mr. Utterson reflected, and then raising his head, If you'll come with me in my cab, he said, I think I can take you to his house. It was by this time about nine in the morning, in the first fog of the season. A great chocolate-coloured pole lowered over heaven, but the wind was continually charging, rooting these embattled vapours, so that as the cab crawled from street to street, Mr. Utterson beheld a marvellous number of degrees and hues of twilight, for here it would be dark like the back end of evening, and there would be a glow of a rich lurid brown, like the light of some strange conflagration, and here for a moment the fog would be quite broken up, and a haggard shaft of daylight would glance in between the swirling wreaths. The dismal quarter of Soho seen under these changing glimpses with its muddy ways, and slatternly passengers, and its lamps which had never been extinguished, or had been kindled afresh to combat this mournful reinvasion of darkness, seemed in the lawyer's eyes like a district of some city in a nightmare. The thoughts of his mind besides were of the gloomiest dye, and when he glanced at the companion of his drive he was conscious of some touch of that terror of the law, and the law's officers, which may at times assail the most honest. As the cab drew up before the address indicated, the fog lifted a little, and showed him a dingy street, a gin palace, a low French eating house, a shop for the retail of penny numbers and two-penny salads. Many ragged children huddled in doorways and many women of many different nationalities passing out, key in hand to have a morning glass. The next moment the fog settled down again upon that part, as brown as umber and cut him off from his blackguardly surroundings. This was the home of Henry Jekyll's favourite, of a man who was heir to a quarter of a million sterling. An ivory-faced and silvery-haired old woman opened the door, She had an evil face, smoothed by hypocrisy, but her manners were excellent. Yes, she said, this was Mr. Hyde's, but he was not at home. He had been in that night very late, but he had gone away again in less than an hour. There was nothing strange in that. His habits were very irregular. He was often absent, for instance. It was nearly two months since she had seen him till yesterday. Very well, then. We wish to see his rooms, said the lawyer and when the woman began to declare it was impossible. I'd better tell you who this person is, he added. This is Inspector Newcomen of Scotland Yard. A flash of odious joy appeared upon the woman's face. Ah, said she, he is in trouble. What has he done? Mr. Utterson and the inspector exchanged glances. He don't seem a very popular character, observed the latter and now, my good woman, just let me and this gentleman have a look about us. In the whole extent of the house, which but for the old woman remained otherwise empty, Mr. Hyde had only used a couple of rooms, but these were furnished with luxury and good taste. A closet was filled with wine. The plate was of silver, the napery elegant. A good picture hung upon the walls, a gift, as Utterson supposed, from henry jekyll who was much of a connoisseur the carpets were of many plies and agreeable in color at this moment however the rooms bore every mark of having been recently and hurriedly ransacked clothes lay about the floor with their pockets inside out lockfast drawers stood open and on the hearth lay a pile of gray ashes as though many papers had been burned From these embers the inspector disinterred the butt-end of a green check-book, which had resisted the action of the fire. The other half of the stick was found behind the door, and as this clinched his suspicions the officer declared himself delighted. A visit to the bank, where several thousand pounds were found to be lying to the murderer's credit, completed his gratification. "'You may depend upon it, sir,' he told Mr. Utterson. "'I have him in my hand.' He must have lost his head or he never would have left the stick or, above all, burned the checkbook. Why, money's life to the man. We've nothing to do but wait for him at the bank and uh, get out the handbills. This last, however, was not so easy of an accomplishment. Mr. Hyde had numbered few familiars. Even the master of the servant maid had only seen him twice. His family could nowhere be traced. He had never been photographed and the few who could describe him differed widely, as common observers will. Only on one point that they agreed, and that was the haunting sense of unexpressed deformity with which the fugitive impressed his beholders. And that is where we close the book on Jacqueline and Hyde, and on this week's episode of Down to Sleep. Thank you so much for joining me. If you would like to hear the rest of this episode, there's another half to it, then as I said at the start, you can join our sleepy little secret book club at patreon.com slash down to sleep. There's a whole bunch of perks there, including a bonus episode every single week, as well as the rest of this episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope that you have a wonderful rest. If you're not already there, then... There's another 21 episodes that you can pull up and listen to and you will get there, I believe in you. Don't stress, don't get frustrated. It's going to be okay. Go ahead and have some sweet dreams tonight. I will see you next week. Until then, thank you and good night.